Locked On Podcast Network and Bet Online present NFL Key Predictions. The local team experts of Locked On NFL give you the inside knowledge on the biggest games of the week and betting advice from the field's leading experts. You are Locked On NFL Key Predictions. Hey everyone and welcome into NFL Key Predictions. I'm Jordan Black. Our Week 10 slate of games will feature every team from the NFC West, a division with plenty of talent and question marks. The first Germany-based game kicks off Sunday morning as the Seahawks take on the Buccaneers. Now, you can choose not to believe the Seahawks' success, but they are leading the NFC West and riding a four-game winning streak behind the leadership of Geno Smith. Tampa Bay has yet to win an international contest and will look to break that streak at Allianz Arena, home of the FC Bayern Munich. While the veteran quarterbacks in the NFL have struggled this year, Tom Brady, the oldest among them, has done his best to overcome offensive line issues, a lack of running game, and disappointing performances in the wide receiver room. Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks and James Yarcho and David Harrison from Locked on Bucks have the preview. Seahawks at Buccaneers. It's in Munich, Germany, but it's still a home game for the Buccaneers officially. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, six and three. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, four and five. A matchup of first place teams, each of them leading their divisions, one division a little bit better than the others. Uh, Corbin, the Seahawks have scored nearly 80 points more this season than the Buccaneers have. Wow. Uh, but they've also surrendered about 60 points more. But I think that's going to kind of happen when you're scoring as much. Still, the Buccaneers are favored by three points. How do you see this thing going down? What do you think about that line? You know, I maybe I'm going to get snake bitten here because Tom Brady's the quarterback on the other side, but I'm not sure what they are basing that line off of. I think the mm -hmm. Seahawks should be the favorites, and I would actually go above three points in this game because I haven't seen a Tampa Bay offense that has been able to get much going in any capacity. And I can tell you this, if Tom Brady has to drop back and throw 50-plus times in this game with the way the pass rush is getting after quarterbacks the last four games for the Seahawks, uh, it could be a very long day for Tom Brady in Munich. And so I'm not going to give a score prediction at this juncture. I'll be doing that on my Friday show, but I will just say this. Uh, if, if that's the if that's the betting line, uh, I would completely go that it's going to be swinging towards the Seahawks on that one because I just don't see the Buccaneers as a three-point favorite in this matchup at all, uh, especially, especially with them being four and five, Seattle six and three. I think one team has been much better on both sides of the ball than the other one. We know that things can be different any given Sunday, though. So obviously the Buccaneers have championship pedigree and they could bring it. I would just think that this this betting line to me is a little bit of a head scratcher given where both teams are trending right now. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I looked it up for this episode, I was a little surprised myself to see that the Bucs were favored uh, by three. Look, the bottom line is the Seahawks have scored 27 or more points in each of their last three games. Corbin, you talked about the, that run that they've made and they scored 23 or more in six of their last nine. The Bucs have scored 23 or more points once all year, and they lost that game. Seems to me the Seahawks should be three-point favorites. You said maybe even more. I'm going to make my score prediction here. James Ark will be making his on our Friday episode. I'm going the other way. I think 23 points is kind of the, the, the floor for the Seahawks, maybe even the ceiling for the Bucs. I got the Seahawks going 23, and because I feel like the Seahawks should probably be three-point favorites here instead of the Bucs, I got the Bucs going 20. So 23-20. Buccaneers lose this one. That is my prediction. Not going to make my listeners and viewers happy, but hopefully they like me because I'm always honest with them. So Corbin, looking at this game, I think the Buccaneers offense has got to be the main storyline for Tampa Bay. Whether or not there was an awakening, awakening there at the end of the Los Angeles Rams game, 
or if we're just going to see more of what we've seen all season long going up against a very tough Seattle Seahawks team. And then that Bucks defense versus that Seahawks offense, not just because this is the perfect time for a collapse, but also because that Seahawks offense is very good uh, in their own right. I feel like people keep saying that the Seahawks offense is very good in their own right, but I feel like they deserve the right to not have that kind of qualifier there at the end be added on. So it's kind of a weird situation. Then again, like I said, just a minute ago, I think the Bucks lose this game right now, 23 to 20 to the Seahawks until I see the awakening. I just can't get on board with saying that that is the moment. I feel like when we try to predict the turning point in the championship season or championship caliber season that we struggle that I think it's always hindsight that you see those things. So the fact that everybody's kind of going, aha, that's going to be the turning point means it's probably not going to be the turning point. <laughs> well, I can tell you Seahawks fans are hoping that that is the case and that it doesn't end up being that turning point. But, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I think this game boils down to two things for the Seahawks. Can they limit those explosive plays to the receiving talent that the Buccaneers have? Can the secondary yeah. continue to do a good job taking away those explosives? Because that's really been key these last four weeks with their defense playing the way they are. They've given up a few big plays, but they've really cut down on those compared to the first five games of the season, both run and pass defense-wise. And on offense, I really look at Vita Vea as the key here for the Buccaneers on defense because he is that guy that can single-handedly disrupt a run and passing game with his ability to get into the backfield. The Seahawks have to find a way to neutralize him, whether that means they're mixing in some double teams, they're keeping running backs in the backfield to step up and just try to help chip on him. I don't know what the Seahawks are thinking, but that needs to be priority number one. I feel like if they can contain him to an extent that this is a Bucks defense that they can run the football on. It doesn't feel like past Buck defenses for the last two years where they were so dominant defending the run and they didn't have to deal with very many backs running the ball the way that Ken Walker III is right now. And so it really boils down to that interior offensive line for the Seahawks. Can they at least stalemate the line of scrimmage most of the game? If they're able to do that with the weapons they've got, you got to believe they're going to be able to put some points on the board as they have all season. But if you don't stop the big fella in the middle, uh, you might have your toughest game that you've had at this point and not really be able to get any traction going on a run game or passing game. Josh Allen is going to miss this week's game as he recovers from a UCL injury, which served to compound an already disappointing loss last week to the Jets. Case Keenum is not Josh Allen, and by all measures, Buffalo could be staring down back-to-back -back losses if the playmakers can't find a way to elevate the play of the backup quarterback. Now, the benefactor of the Bills' injury woes, that'll be the somewhat surprising Minnesota Vikings, who have the often-mocked but always steady-handed Kirk Cousins. With plenty of home run hitters on the offensive side, stealing around win will be in play for the purple and gold. Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings and Joe Marino from Locked on Bills have the coverage for this game. Case Keenan plays, it feels like a low scoring game to me, um, just because of what the Case Keenum led Bills have been. And, and, you know, we saw him, he has kind of lightning in a bottle here and everybody in the organization kind of knew that Case Keenum wasn't actually a 13 and three quarterback and, that's why Minnesota let him walk and go be backups for everybody else. Um, but hey, as far as backups go, you know, hard to do better. Um, I don't know how well the Vikings offense is going to work here, but based on what you said about like base package and stuff, I kind of feel it. Uh, I, I feel like this, like the Vikings might be able to move the ball, especially if guys like Trey White or Matt Milano are not playing or not hundred percent. Um, you know, we're kind of catching you at <laughs> the best possible time to catch you. It feels yeah. like, 
Um, so I'm just kind of I'm stalling. I'm going to talk this. I'm, I'm just talking it out. But I'll go with based on the what Vegas says. I'm going to go 24, 23. Screw it. Go Vikings. All right. Um, I, I I wish we knew who was playing quarterback for the Bills. If Josh Allen were playing in this game, well, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league. Of course, I would much more like the Bills' chances of winning the game. And like I kind of talked about at the opening, you feel like a great opportunity to throw the football, which is the bread and butter of, of the Bills. And, and and you know, look, Case Keenum's not going to be able to take advantage of that to the level mm-hmm. uh, of a Josh Allen. But I, I, I am admittedly going to take an optimistic position here for the Bills. And let me tell you why. Bills have won six in a row at home, which is their longest home winning streak since 1998. They lost last week to the New York Jets. Sean McDermott, as head coach of the Bills, is 22 and 11, coming off of a loss that's dating back to 2017. And since 2017, that's the second highest win percentage coming off of a loss for any team that's not the Kansas City Chiefs since 2019, which is an important year, I think, in in the world of the Buffalo Bills because that's really kind of when they became the team that we know them as today. Uh, they're 12 and four coming off of a loss, which is also number two in the NFL behind the Chiefs. So this is a team that has traditionally played well coming off of a loss. And I think for the first time this year, they've been doubted a little bit. I was and, say, how do you respond to that? Yeah. Like, how, and, how do you and respond so, to that? Getting punched in the mouth a little bit by losing the 100%, 100%. I think they're eager to play again. I think it's good for them to be at this vantage point, right? To have a little. Uh, as Von Miller would say, a little, you know, kind of take your medicine a little bit here um, and learn from it. It's good medicine. And and I think whenever I find myself kind of twisted up in predictions, and, and Luke, a lot of times I make predictions and it doesn't feel hard to me. Like I I feel like I know how the game's going to go. I, I know what the script is going to look like. But with some of the variables in this game, it, it's really, really challenging for me. But whenever I find myself in this spot, I, I, I kind of cling to my belief in the leadership of the Bills, um, whether that's Brandon being the general manager, but also the coaching staff of Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and Ken Dorsey and you know the players that are on this football team. I don't think that they're willing to let the last six quarters derail what they want to achieve this season. And like I said at the beginning of this, I think is in a lot of ways a come-together opportunity for the team. Now, I could whiff on this, Luke. There's a good chance of that. And I think the Vikings are very, very capable of coming in and winning this football game. There is no doubt. There's a clear script for that to happen in my opinion. But because of all the optimism that I said I was going to cling to, I have it as 20 to 17 Bills. All right. Bills win, and that is the under. I think I took the over by a point. I I thought through the points uh, kind of deliberately here. And and again, I am operating under the belief that I think Case Keenum is going to play quarterback. The The 17 that I have for Minnesota was me looking back at the Bills this year. They haven't allowed more than twenty-one points to anybody. You know, oh my like, God! Yeah, so so they they they're tough <laughs> to score. They're tough to score on. I mean, Leslie Frazier. Yeah, he's he schemes it up good. Um, he's a great defensive coordinator. I think there's there's head coaching hype out there, which I I I would have. I think it's overdue, about. honestly. And that's well, coming from a guy who covers the team that fired him. Yeah, I I I would like that for Leslie. Um, but it certainly yeah. would be a loss for for Buffalo, but. Yeah, I mean, they, and the thing about that is they've been injured all year, all year long, all, at every level. There, there's been significant injuries to this defense. They haven't had Trey White all year. Micah Hyde's out for the year. There are a lot of good players that haven't been available to them, but they keep limiting points. And, and so because I, I think that 
Minnesota will, you know, kind of be in that 17 to 20 point range. And I have some level of belief that this can be a rallying opportunity for the offense. I think they can kind of get to that 20. That's kind of where I got to, you know, at the 20 to 17 mark, but it could be 24 I could see to 20, that. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think if the bills win, the path is through Stefan Diggs, who's look, he's not going to say it, but he's going to have a ch- little chip on his shoulder, oh, right? For sure. Former team yeah. got a little to prove and it's fine. He doesn't hold any ill will, but come on. I mean, he's Stefan Diggs. Of course, he's going to make some drama out of it. Um, and, and I think that that's, he's the kind of guy that can take that drama and turn it into production. I think that's just what fuels him. <laughs> so of course he should. Um, so I, I think that can take that. And the Vikings currently have a, one of their corners is Patrick Cam Peterson. Dantzler. Yep. And Cam Dantzler is questionable. Probably he's been dealing. He he was questionable with a neck injury and then he left the game with an ankle injury against Washington. So it might be a rookie fourth round rookie, a Caleb Evans on Stefan Diggs. That might be the matchup to exploit or put him in the slot on Shannon Sullivan, which is also a matchup the Vikings exploited with, or no, that was, uh, he was, he was gone by then by the time Shannon Sullivan was in green Bay, but still, um, one other matchup that I thought of that would, when you were talking, when you mentioned Vaughn Miller, Christian Darasaw, I have to tell everybody about him. Um, uh, he's elite player, <laughs> all pro. I think yeah, he should yeah. be, um, that versus Vaughn Miller versus one of those really experienced edges. And he's been hitting some, some tough edges. Um, like the, he's not had a cups cake schedule by, by any stretch of the imagination had Montez sweat a lot last week, did great against that. Um, had, ran up against Philly to, who's just stacked to the nines with, with good, uh, edge rushers. Vaughn Miller will be a very interesting challenge for a young breakout player. Yeah. I, I gave, uh, I gave Darisaw plenty of flowers on my preview episode yesterday for lockdown bills. Uh, love scouting him at Virginia tech. And I love the player that he's, he's developed into, uh, for the Vikings. And bet online has the coverage for the lines ahead of this matchup. This is Bet Online All Access. It's the Vikings and Bills this Sunday. Here's Drew Butler, Anthony Becht, and Jonathan Casillas. Lots of injury news to watch out here with this game, guys. Anthony, right now the Bills are six-point favorites. Yeah, with the indecision with Allen right now, he's the entire offense. I'm going to ride Kirk Cousins in the Vikings and take those points. Absolutely. Got to have that Kirk Cousins swag. Look, I wish I had my chains on. I'm taking the Vikings to go in there and beat the Bills. Yeah, two division leaders here, obviously. The Bills atop the AFC East. The Vikings way ahead in the NFC North. Bills are a different beast at home, but a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, too. I think the Vikings keep this one close, maybe win. Take the six points of Minnesota. Thanks, guys. Be sure to get all of your football action at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. What's up? Oh, I'm just compiling all the top sports scores, news, and odds so I can make the very best picks. Me too. BetOnline.net. Get into the action anytime, anywhere at BetOnline.net. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's another division matchup as the Cardinals will head to L.A. to take on the Rams. Now, the Cardinals have lost six straight in the series and are 0-3 in division games in 2022. With Kyler Murray's health in question, this game could give Sean McVay an easy win. Of course, that assumes his quarterback, Matthew Stafford, is able to make it on the field dealing with his own injury issues. 
The NFC West has been a week-to-week head-scratcher, and knowing which teams come out on top in this one is as predictable as flipping a coin. Alex Lancy from Locked On Cardinals joins Travis Rogers from Locked On Rams to break down this game for us. What I've been doing is I've been trying to find ways, doing Locked On Cardinals Monday through Friday, to find a way for the Cardinals to win games, find mm-hmm. the path. And I feel like you've been struggling recently, like not to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming you've been struggling recently as well with how they've played, even though they've been in more games and they've been a little bit more competitive, even though it's, you know, a definitely a step back from last season. Like I can't find 45 points in this game. Oh, no like chance. I can't find it. Even though the offenses have, I think DeAndre Hopkins is still a top four receiver in the NFL. He's not fast. He's never been fast. Cooper Cup isn't that fast. He's the best route runner we have. Him and Justin Jefferson, I mean, Jamar Chase is honorable mention. You don't need speed to be a great receiver, and I still think DeAndre Hopkins is there, especially with the numbers he's put up through three weeks since coming back. Cooper Cup, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, like, it's a star-studded affair. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, like, Byron Murphy's emerged as a CB1. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can't find 45 points, and it's not because the defenses are great. It's because the offenses aren't as great as people expect. Do you share the same sentiment? Yeah, I do. The only way they get to 45 is if Arizona gets 30. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and I, don't, I, I don't think that that's a, a likely scenario. Um, the, the Rams, have they score as few points as possible. They actually had a couple of opportunities to score touchdowns last week. Um they scored one and it was on a 67 yard play, right? That they, the, the play I mentioned where they hit cup and about 50 of those were him just outrunning somebody to the corner. Um, they had a couple of other drives that were inside the red zone, one of them inside the 10 yard line, and it just bogs down and it stops. They kick field goals. They don't score touchdowns. So obviously that's going to keep that number uh, on the other side of, of 46, like you mentioned. Um, the Rams just need to find a way to win. Whether And I never in my life, Alex, thought that I would say this. I'm even okay with a Jeff Fisher special at this point. <laughs> that, that if they win a game 10-7 to 7 or 10-6 to 6 or 9-3, to 3, fine. Just win the game and keep it moving and get to the next week. I, you know, At some point, you're going to have to get your offense figured out. But right now, it literally is. The whatever you've got, it's got to come out right now. I don't know if it's trick plays. I don't know if it's running some wildcat. I, I don't know if it's Bryce Perkins. Something different needs to happen this week to get points on the board because the Ram defense, like you said, it's not you know the 85 Bears, but it's good enough. It's good enough to win games. It's good enough to keep what has so far been not just not a very good offensive team, but it, to be honest, a, a bad offensive football team, it's allowed them to win three games. It, they, they should be four and four right now. They should have won the game last week. The defense did more than enough to win that game. The offense uh, let, it, let it go by you know not even trying to get a first down on that final drive. Mm-hmm. But if they can just find 17 points, 20 points, I think that the Rams can win this game. I just don't know if they can get to 17. They've been struggling to get to 14 the last go. They've been putting up 10s and 12s and 13s, and two touchdowns feels like a big ask from this point. If Matthew Stafford's not there, it might be an impossible ask. Yeah, and even though John Walford is 1-0 against the Arizona Cardinals, he was responsible for unceremoniously removing the Cardinals from playoff contention two years ago when (laughs) Kyler Murray got hurt early and then came back and tried to save it but didn't work out. That was when the Cardinals lost to two backup quarterbacks in back-to-back weeks 49ers and the rams 
why did I bring it up? Because John Walford may be starting on Sunday. Uh, just a little update. We are recording this for Thursday, okay? So if something happens between now and we record and Matthew Stafford or Kyler Murray is ruled out, we didn't keep it from you. Like we weren't <laughs> playing, uh, you know, we're not, we're, you know, we're not, we're not doing, you know, November 10th fools here. Uh, we just didn't know at the time that we recorded. But a little thing that we did, like I looked at bet online for the over-under, they've removed it from the platform right now because there's yeah. so much uncertainty. So that shows it looks like, even though the report from uh, Ari Mayrov, I saw it first from Pro Football Focus about Matthew Stafford, like that kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? And I know we're going to go and like, we'll give our score predictions in a second, but like, where the hell did that come from? And then Kyler Murray with the hamstring, you know, yesterday kind of came out we were, as well. we were in the middle of our show today, um, the, the Travis and Sliwa show that I do each day on 710 in L.A., and it broke in the middle of our show. And we all kind of look, wait, wait, Stafford is in concussion protocol? It was a, it was a big – because there wasn't a moment in that game where you saw him get – you know, hit or hit his head on the ground. There wasn't, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. There wasn't a two, a moment where you went, Oh gosh, you know, yeah. uh, that, it was just, he played and the game ended and no one really gave it much thought. So when it circled back today, it, it was a big surprise. And obviously that they felt that that was the thing that they need to do means that there's a, you know, there's a chance he might not play on Sunday. I mean, that's, I'll tell you what, just nightmare fuel for me. Just little, I mean, it's just you and me talking here. If, <laughs> Matthew Stafford doesn't play, and Kyler Murray does, and the Cardinals lose. You're going to see a rain. We might have to do a podcast together next, just for funsies, just, for, just, just to for see laughs. me bleed out of my orifices. <laughs> because, like, the thing is, like, with like, and it's funny, and we'll get so okay, real quick. Let's give our score predictions, and let's talk about something fun. Low, I think that this is going to be it, between the teens and and low twenties for both teams. And it could come down to last possession. I'm not going to say, oh, Cardinals win 23-17. I have no idea. It's going to come down to turnovers, and it's going to come down to teams that can execute and score touchdowns and not kick field goals. I think that's a story for both teams. I, I'll, I'm going to pick the Cardinals just because of the uncertainty around Matthew Stafford because I've never and, – and because of how well the Cardinals played against the Rams earlier in the season, even though it didn't look like it, looking back, that was one of the better offensive performances the Arizona Cardinals put out. They just weren't executing, getting touchdowns, but they kicked four field like. So I think the Cardinals are going to win, and I'm surprised that I'm saying that, but I think the Cardinals are going to win just because of the uncertainty around Matthew Stafford. I'll put it like this, Alex. I think whoever gets to 17 wins the game, <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I'm being serious. And I don't I think the Rams, and I don't think the Rams can get to 17. Okay. I, I, I think if, if if Arizona can score 17 points, I think they win the game. If it's played somewhere less than that, if it's played somewhere in the 14, 13 range, then then maybe the Rams can get there. Maybe you know the Rams haven't had a, a defensive touchdown all season long. They haven't had a special teams touchdown all season long. So not only is the offense not doing it, they're not getting those little, you know, bonus scores that you like to get, you know, a handful of times over the season. So they, they are they are entirely reliant on that defense to win the game. Maybe they can get a defensive touchdown for the first time, but first one to 17, I think, wins this, and I don't think the Rams can get 17. Now from Locked on Bets, here's Lee Sterling. This is Lee Sterling from Locked on Bets and Paramount Sports with your bet online prediction for the game between the L.A. Rams at home laying three points against the Arizona Cardinals. Now let's first look at the L.A. Rams offense. They've had trouble running the football. They're averaging just 3.2 yards per carry and just 68 yards per game on the ground. They've also permitted 28 sacks already on the season and have not totaled more than 360 total yards this year in any game. 
but they still have a top five defense. And their head coach, Sean McVay, since he was hired against the Cardinals, 11-1 straight up, 10-2 against the spread. Now let's look at the Arizona Cardinals. What do they do well? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. In fact, their quarterback, Kyler Murray, can't read defense. Their head coach, Kingsbury, probably going to be fired before the end of the season. This is a team, Arizona, that's 3-6, and six, probably 3-7 by the end of this game. I'm going to lay the three points. Let's take the L.A. Rams. They win and cover 23-16 to 16 here. For more, subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcasts. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Although the Chargers have won five consecutive meetings dating back to 2002, this will hardly be a walk in the park on Sunday. Justin Herbert and the Chargers started slow, but have already built themselves back up to a 5-3 and three record and are right in the AFC playoff picture. The 49ers have had a mountain of injuries this season, but the bye week seemingly came at the perfect time. With Christian McCaffrey compiling over 200 yards and three touchdowns in his first two games for the Niners, this Sunday night bout should bring explosive and exciting plays from two hard-hitting teams with playmakers across the board. Daniel Wade from Locked On Chargers and Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers have the Sunday night preview. I'm going to go to you real quick, David. And I know you're going to make your official prediction, but looking at that line, uh, it surprised me how high it was. I guess because of the injury nature, 49ers are at home. It's not surprised, surprising, especially with the way the 49ers played before the bye week and coming in healthier, that they're favored by a little. But I thought it'd be more like a field goal, not a touchdown. So seven points yeah. is a pretty big line against a team that's five and three right now. Yeah, that one definitely surprised me. When you said that before we started recording, I was like, really? Seven points? I mean, the, the Chargers don't really get blown out. I mean, they, they don't. And, you know, they all of their games are close games. And it, it's because, you know, they take some time, you know, to really figure out what's going on. They've really, really struggled in the first quarter of games. Like, it just seems like they're sitting back and trying to assess what's going on. And then they make their adjustments. And then they go off in the, in the second quarter. And then the same thing to start the second half. They really have issues coming out of halftime but they seem to turn it on in the fourth quarter. So um, I think you just look at this game and you see, well, the 49ers have a litany of guys that can run the ball extremely effectively. The Chargers have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, and then the Chargers are very injured on offense. So it's like, can the Chargers score enough points with the weapons that they currently have to make this game close and keep it competitive? I think that's the reason why you see a line score the way it is. And, and I will say there is something to that, and we have not – talked a whole lot about the 49ers defense uh it did hit kind of this little low point when they played against Kansas City Chiefs gave up 21 to Atlanta there was also a defensive touchdown that Atlanta scored but 
For the most part, this 49ers defense can be very, very smothering, and they got off to a historically great start. They have been missing some guys, and we'll see who eventually comes back. But it, they they can be a little tough to where this game could potentially get away from the Chargers if they don't uh, figure out different ways to be creative, get guys out in space, and score points. I mean, I and this is not me being boisterous of the 49ers, like, you know, and he knows I'll keep it real, but... I am having a hard time trying to figure out, like, okay, where do the Chargers have the advantage? So I guess I'll ask you, David, right now, and you're looking at this game as a whole, where do you see right now the Chargers where it's like, okay, we have a, the, the Chargers have a clear advantage in this category? I know you mentioned Eckler earlier and his ability to pass catch. 49ers have some linebackers with uh, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, mm-hmm. Aziz Al-Shair, he's back, that they huh? feel like could possibly match up with him in space. So where do you see, you know what, I think there's the, the, the Chargers have a clear advantage here and they can take advantage of it. Well, quarterback. I mean, I think, you know, quarterback is the biggest one. That's what me. I was thinking as I was asking the question. Yeah, too, it, go it's, ahead. It's, yeah it's Justin Herbert over, over Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, especially with Justin Herbert feeling better. And I think in this game in particular, it's about getting him out in space a little bit more and letting him use his mobility because he's feeling healthier. He was not running before in the last several games. Even if you know there was an obvious clear lane, he, he was going to pull it up, and he wasn't going to to take any chances. Now that he's feeling healthier, I think this is something that you know if he doesn't see anything you know at, at first, he can take off and run and continue to you know, to move the chains. Um, as far as you know anything else is concerned, I mean it, it is a little bit difficult to, to try to to diagnose that. I think the Chargers special teams unit is actually pretty decent. You know they're a unit that's going to not lose them the game. That you know they they get some decent punt returns in there from DeAndre Carter. Um, but quarterback, if, if the Chargers win this game, it's going to be because just it's going to be because Justin Herbert went crazy and threw for 350 plus, which he has the ability to do. The question is, is he going to be able to do that with the lack of weapons that he has at his disposal? Before I make my prediction, David, I want to ask you this about Brandon Staley in his second year as head coach, because he, he got a lot of flack, especially, you know, the going forward on fourth down yeah. stuff. Where's he at this year? Like, did, did he reach a hot seat level that they, you know, they're especially in a tough division and a tough conference being at five and three with some of the injuries like that, that to me from the outside looking in looks like a pretty good job by a head coach. Has he gotten better in that regard? Did the luck just flip on him or is he still taking a lot of heat for some of the late game decisions he's making? Yeah, I think you look at the Chargers right now at five and three and you say, this is a team I don't really feel like is five and three. And I think that's because of all of the close games and, you know, just having all of the injuries. But also I would counter by saying the Chargers are five and three despite all of the incredibly important injuries to players that were supposed to make a huge difference in how this season was supposed to go. The fact that, you know, they're without their left tackle, without their top two wide receivers, without their bed, best edge rusher, and they're still at five and three just shows you that this is a battle tested, battle hardened team that's going to figure it out. They're going to battle the entire way. They're not going to quit. And I think that's what's, you know, showed you know, here with the Chargers being at five and three, the team respects Brandon Staley and they are still following him, you know, despite, you know, the incredible amount of scrutiny that he has received from some of those fourth down decisions. And hey, you know, when you make those decisions and they don't go your way, you're going to get that scrutiny. You're going to get those questions that people are asking when it always goes well for you and they convert. Nobody's asking those questions. Nobody gives you the pat on the back for getting it right. But 
you know, it's always people love, you know, when you don't do anything right, when you get things wrong, people always focus on the negative. Hearing all this, hearing your takes, David, talking through it with Croc here on today's podcast has really strengthened the way I feel about this game coming in. Uh, I don't think I would go to bet online and and take those seven points. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't do that no. from a 49ers perspective and give up the seven points. But I do think the 49ers can win this game, and I do think I would take the under on that total. Uh, I see this as the 49ers winning by four, 24-20. And the picture that we've painted today and kind of the idea I had coming into this is that Justin Herbert is not going to have enough opportunities to throw for the, you know, the three touchdown passes and the 350 yards because the 49ers are going to try like hell to run the ball, keep play, keep away. The 49ers defense is going to be able to do a good enough job with the lack of weapons there to get off the field, get the ball back to the 49ers offense where they can continue to run the ball again. And one thing I'm excited about with the addition of Christian McCaffrey more than anything else is his ability on third downs as a receiver to keep the chains moving. And so that's the biggest key for the 49ers on offense. I think they'll be able to run the ball, stay in front of the sticks, convert those third downs, and it could be a long day for the Chargers. From Locked On Bets, here's Lee Sterling. This is Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets and Paramount Sports with your bet online prediction for the game between the San Francisco 49ers at home laying seven points against the LA Chargers. So let's look at the battered Chargers. Well, <laughs> they'll be without their top two wide receivers, best left tackle, best pass rusher and Bosa, top cornerback, and also their starting kicker. Somehow they've been able to manage to put together a five and three record. Their wins are against, check this out, Las Vegas Raiders, Houston, Cleveland, Denver, and Atlanta. Can you say Patty Cake City? So the 49ers, on the other hand, they expect back Debo Samuel. He will be back in the fold, running, catching, and add him to starting and star running back Christian McCaffrey, who they acquired from the Carolina Panthers, and a healthy George Kittle. I say look out here. San Francisco's defense also allowing the fewest yards per game, and also sixth in scoring defense, allowing just 18.6 points per game. The Chargers have trailed opponents, get this, by double digits at the end of the first quarter, four times already this season. If that happens in this game, good night, Irene. <laughs> Blowout City, San Francisco 31-14 over the LA Chargers. For more, subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. The Commanders took a big swing bringing in Carson Wentz only to find Taylor Heineke back under center and leading Washington to a 2-1 record over the past three games. It'll be hard to see the Eagles finally losing a contest this year, especially at home, though. For Philadelphia, it is all about the continued strong play of Jalen Hurts, was an arsenal of offensive weapons and a dominant defense as well. And we have another NFC Beast matchup. We haven't played the Giants yet, but we're playing Washington twice. We've already played Dallas once. I like to go through like a round robin where you play each team one time and then go back towards the end of the year. But this is one we're getting a middle of the season matchup after we already saw a matchup earlier in the year. I'm going to get things started, and I have a prediction you were talking about corners in the last segment. Devontae Smith has not had a huge game the last couple weeks. 
I think this is where Devontae Smith gets back on track, and I think this is his first 100-yard game that we have seen in the last couple weeks. A.J. Brown got his the last few weeks. We have seen that. They like to spread things around. Like you said, I think the Eagles are going to take advantage of that Kendall Fuller matchup, try and put that bigger body in A.J. Brown towards Benjamin St. Juice, and allow Devontae Smith to go out and what he do what he did last, last time against Kendall Fuller. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly possible. It's hard not to to kind of be worried about that matchup specifically. I'm interested. We've got uh, Kendall Fuller via Zoom on uh, on Wednesday afternoon, so I'm interested to hear kind of how he's he's going to come about this this matchup this time because I'm sure he's going to be asked uh, about that very thing. And and you know, look, that's that's team captain on the defensive side. Your other veteran partner, Wim Jackson, has been uh, shipped off to Pittsburgh. You know, this this is kind of the situation this team is in and the defense has done surprisingly well given you know kind of the early some of the early struggles that they had but this is another game where this team can come out and possibly get exposed and you fall to four and six I mean I don't know that the division race is really within reach anyway to be to be quite honest with you even if you advance to five and five and and give the Eagles their first loss uh, of the year but look Washington fans go back you know a couple seasons and, and remember Pittsburgh Steelers were undefeated uh, mid mid to, to, to second half of the season when they faced Washington. Washington was able to to hand them a loss, and then everything kind of collapsed from there. So Washington would love uh, nothing more than to do that again to another Pennsylvania NFL franchise. But, uh, Gino, I mean, the Eagles are favored by 11 points. You know, you look at the results from the season, you look at the results from last time, it's hard not to, uh, to kind of agree with that line. I don't know that I think they'll actually make it there, but, you know, Taylor Heineke, when he's when he's leading this team, they don't really get into the twenties very often. In fact, only two out of the last seven starts that Taylor Heineke has has had has has his offense scored more than twenty points. And I think you're going to have to get at least twenty two to beat this Eagles team. But the Commanders' defense has been has been looking better and much improved uh, over over the last few weeks. And, and Rashad Wild Goose uh, stepping in there in the nickel has been looking improved as well. If Cole Holcomb comes back, I think that this game is a little bit better. If Chase Young can get like a third of those reps like we were talking about, I think that that brings things a little bit closer. But given what we know right now, and we do have an extra day to talk about this before the game actually fires off, but given what we have right now, I think I, I see the Eagles getting 24 points again. I think it's more spread out. I don't think you get it in a chunk like you did last time. But I think 24 points is reasonable. I think Taylor Heineke in this offense, you're probably looking at about 17 points. Uh, so seven-point spread. So you know you can take the you can take the commanders against the spread if you if you trust my my view there. But I think twenty four seventeen is about what you're going to get with Philadelphia walking away with the win. The thing I look at is that they have been double digit favorites for now three weeks running, and every statistic is against double digit favorites in the NFL. Does that trend break with Washington? Maybe the the line, I think they do cover. I think it's safe to say that with that many points, Washington is going to cover. I think they do a good job holding the Eagles to sub-28 points, which I think is a good number. This Eagles team has scored close to 30 points in every outing that they've had. But the thing is, their defense, as much as they do allow a ton of yards, they don't allow a ton of points. They've right. only allowed around 18 and a half points per game under Jonathan Gannon. And we're really getting at Jonathan Gannon for allowing all these yards. But at the end of the day, you see the box score and say, oh, they're not scoring points. So, I mean, we have to put up with the yards. I think Washington keeps it close through halftime. I even think the third quarter, it could be close. But the thing that this Eagles team leans on 
is what Jason Kelsey said a couple weeks ago. It's not what team is the toughest. It's which team is toughest the longest. And Monday Night Football in Lincoln Financial Field, the environment in and of itself is going to give the Eagles that boost. We know that they have to continue. And I love the NFC East for being as good as it is because they have people nipping at their heels. They got Dallas right there. They got the Giants right there. If you let up a game to Washington, they're right back in the middle of things. So to be sitting with an undefeated record and say, we now have to continue to add games and win games, I think that's really what separates great teams from just the good teams and these veterans that have been on the Super Bowl roster that have been on other teams and seen how much it takes to make a run and to realize that now with only one team getting a bye, you have to win as many games as possible. These division ones count basically as two wins because you give a loss to the other opponent and you take a win for yourself. This is one the Eagles have to come out on top, in my opinion. You have to win all your division games. If you want to do what you did in 2017 and make that run, you went 5-1 and one against the division, dropping a, a late-season game to Dallas, so nearly going perfect in that season. Copy that formula. Beat your division opponents. Then you take care of the conference, and then you take care of the out-of-conference games. These ones are the most important. I think at the end of the day, it should be close, should be a hard-fought matchup. I think it could be 24-18. I really wouldn't be shocked. I think that 18 number is right where Washington could get to. But at the end of the day, it's an NFC East matchup. I hate predicting these. If Chase Young comes back and he forces two fumbles and the Eagles for the first time all season have a negative turnover differential and they're playing from behind after halftime, there are some spots that the Eagles haven't been in when it comes to facing adversity. If they can play with a lead in, in terms of Washington. If they could get out ahead of them after halftime, let's see how the Eagles respond. Let's see if they lose the turnover battle for the first time and see how they respond from there. But if it's clean, fundamental, sound Eagles football that we have seen, I think the Eagles do come out on top. But I don't believe that it's going to be easy, David. I think yeah. we're going to see hard-hitting football. We're going to see fun football. I don't think the, the nation is going to be too upset at this primetime game. It should be good. Got Taylor Heineke, got Jalen Hurts, two opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to quarterback play. But one thing I will continue to say, when the NFC East is the best, football is the best. Bet Online has the coverage of the Lions ahead of this matchup. This is Bet Online All Access. This Monday night, we'll see the Commanders and Eagles. Here's Drew Butler, Anthony Becht, and Jonathan Casillas. It's a Monday night football battle in the NFC Beast. The undefeated Eagles are 11-point favorites. You know, the Eagles are definitely the best team in football right now, but something about Taylor Heineke, he's feisty. He's going to keep them around. Take the Commanders in this one and with those points. Commanders defense. Combined with Heineke is going to keep this game a little bit closer than I think people would, would like, especially the Philly fans. But I think Philadelphia is going to get the win. But with these points, I got to take the commanders. There's an old NFL adage, you are what your record says you are. The Eagles are perfect at 8-0. This Philly crowd should be rocking on Monday Night Football. I'll lay the double digits. Eagles cover 11. Thanks, guys. Be sure to get all of your football action at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Week 10 in the NFL could move several teams into the planning vacation phase of the season, while others continue their attack on the playoff picture. 
each and every week we'll continue to bring you all of the insight and analysis from across our Locked On Network. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm Jordan Black. 